This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you love underground music and movies, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed shirts, vinyl, CDs, and more. Go to portlanddistro.com. Plug in the discount code MikeHill666 for 15% off at portlanddistro.com. It's, it's been uh, a minute, but I'm really happy to, uh, to be talking to you with some, you know, we, we don't, I barely see you over the years, but it's always good talking to you, man. I'm really happy uh, you agreed to come on the show. No, dude, I, I'm, I mean, number one, I'm honored, just even if I didn't know you. And number two, not only do I know you, Mike, I love you. And this is, <laughs> it's seriously, man, that's like, what you, like you, you were one of those people that, you know, I, I wouldn't talk to you every day or like, you know, wouldn't you wouldn't be, you know, you wouldn't be somebody like I'd call like, hey, what are you doing? But man, every time I see you, like, it, it was always like, oh, fuck yeah, Mike Hill. Fuck yeah, yeah dude. Yeah, dude. It's, I mean, I just, I just, I love you, man. It's, it's just awesome seeing, seeing your, your journey, dude. And I like, uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just psyched to talk to you. So let's talk. Yeah, man. It's, uh, yeah. I met you like, uh, it's got to be like almost 30 years ago, man. Uh, crazy to think about that. Um, <laughs> back in uh, the Mission Hill days, and um, you, Wrecking Crew had either just broken up or was on the sort of twilight of its of its years and that's when i think i met you yeah you know you know what if it, it was it was probably because you know when i was up on mission hill then i was i was dating our i just started dating kim our mutual friend kim and uh yeah that was that was right 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 at the at the very end so it would it wasn't even the twilight years it was, it was like that was rome burning <laughs> that was <laughs> That, that was just that was just sad like it was like i think that was probably like the last six months of wrecking crew yeah yeah the demise of a band is never good man it's always oh. like you know like it's it's like guys uh, i mean it's, it's cliche to say it but it is like that uh you know you're you're in a relationship and it's um you, everyone knows it's over you know but who's gonna make the move first to be like i'm out oh my you know? god <laughs> yeah dude yep yeah oh, so bad but when, so when I uh, when I met you though, I I knew about Wrecking Crew like you know they were obviously at that point um, since we're talking about the you know the tail end of the band's career was uh, was definitely a um, a known entity for me uh, having yeah. just moved to Boston probably uh, just a few months after maybe eight or nine months after uh, moving to Boston is when I met you so I was aware of all that stuff that was going on and and it was, I'm like oh man it's Keith Bennett from Wrecking Crew. Shit, <laughs> you fool! <laughs> <laughs> but but that band though was kind of, in my opinion, um, one one of the bands that was that bridge, like that crossover. You know what I mean? Like uh, people talk about the Chromags and you know SOD and like that kind of stuff going on in New York as like a crossover metal kind of thing. And I I um I, I place Wrecking Crew in that world of hardcore, but metal crossover yeah oh yeah dude that, i mean with, without a doubt without a doubt you know i mean that was but the whole thing was like we it, it honestly like that we sounded how we sounded we didn't say we were gonna do this we did we just you know we were all best friends like the original lineup like we just it, we became a band by proxy and you know i'm, I'm not i'm not gonna be some kind of like arrogant guy to be like 
oh, you know, I invented crossover and like that. But I, but I guarantee you, I was one of those original, you know, guys who were coming from the more metal side of things who like, you know, it wasn't because Metallica was wearing a misfit shirt or, or like SOD was my introduction to the hardcore punk. Like I would, I'd been, you know, entrenched in it since, you know, like late 82, 83. But, you know, I, I think a lot of it was, I was kind of a little, I liked a lot more metal than, you know, most, cause most of my friends were hardcore kids. I liked a lot more metal and I was turning them on to metal and um, you know, the metal, the metal kids that I was friends with were as open-minded as I was. So like we, we were the guys who were, you know, listening to discharge from day one. We were the guys who loved GBH. You know what I mean? We, we were the guys who like, you know, it was almost like, you know, we fucking, we hated the same bullshit metal and rock and roll world that punk, punk and hardcore kids did. That's why we gravitated towards that scene, you know? So when, when wrecking crew happened, it it wasn't you know like you know how some some of those crossover bands and I'm not, and they all had you know completely sincere intentions but you know there were a lot of bands that like got a metal drummer or they got a metal guitar player i just happened to be the metal head who was on bass with us you know what i mean yeah it's funny cuz I, I remember that being a thing like it seemed like even even sick of it all had rich originally uh the bass player who was like the metal guy you know what I mean? There was always yeah. like the dudes with short hair and then there was like a heavy metal guy with like a mustache or like long hair or, you know, something like that. <laughs> or both. You know? or, or both, you know. <laughs> yeah. But that that's that's pretty much my my entry point too because I was definitely more more of a, into metal. Like I, I, I actually have like a relatively limited understanding of hardcore punk from the 80s really um because i was mostly listening to metal metallica slayer like that kind of stuff and and older shit too like ufo scorpions you know and because i couldn't play guitar well enough to actually be in a band in those early years in the 80s i was only able to play like punk rock music so that's why i ended up being in punk you know what i mean <laughs> yeah no i i get it i get it like i mean for me um, I was just really, really lucky. Like, you know, it wasn't like I was this, you know, in, insanely cool beyond my years, like nine or 10 year old kid, but it was like, it was absolutely like location it was geographical. Like, you know, not only was Boston a very happening city, all kinds of like, you know, underground independent music styles. Um, I also happened to be living in a neighborhood, which was literally 10 minutes up, up, up the street from Kenmore square. So where I would, where I would go to get my comic books, like I bought my first issue of cream magazine because, because kids were in it. You know, I wasn't like, you know, I, I wasn't a disciple of Lester bangs or Jay Kordosh or Robert Criscow, but I bought, I bought this magazine by accident because I just wanted to get this cool picture of kiss. And then I'm reading things I did. I had no understanding of like this world. I'm like, what the fuck is this? But it was very intriguing. And there was also, um, there was a, a free Boston rock newspaper called sweet potato. And I did the same thing. Uh, I picked that up cause they were, they had, uh, something on Aerosmith in it. And it was very, very Boston centric. So I'm, you know, I was reading about all these bands that, lived in my neighborhood that i ended up like i'd be recognizing people on the street i'd be like this a fat little 11 year old kid and i'd be like are you the bass player for the marshals and this, this guy you know some 20 year old kid be like how the fuck do you know my band you know what i mean like, like oh i read sweet potato like what and then there was you know boston rock and then you know you you would uh triple x suburban voice force exposure it was yeah dude it was 
it, it was and the, the radio back then too like i mean like our college radio is still second to none and bcn was groundbreaking so you know like e- even though I, I identified as like you know metal i i was still like you know at the same time like i was you know listening to the clash the same time i was listening to van halen it was it was just like it was dumb luck it wasn't any kind of like like ultra cool thing Actually, Boston's known for having superior radio, man. I mean, all the colleges and, uh, you know, what comes to mind immediately is the Nasty Habits show. That uh... Dude, Nasty Habits, that Mike Jones, like, he's kind of like went off the radar. But that, that guy is such, such a huge huge part of american metal like yeah i mean it, insanely i put him up there his his impact right up where there with brian slagle or john zazula howie abrams um michael alago for for real he he just man we that was the gospel dude to like stay up on a sunday night you know and you'd have your, your cassette ready and it, you just rec- you would record nasty episodes it didn't matter like you know some some radio shows you know you would like would you wouldn't record every song like it didn't matter with nasty habits it was just like that guy was a fucking like he, he was a prophet he'd proselyze about just everything he 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 turned on so many people saved so many people from fucking a, a mundane life it, it, it's amazing yeah that was a legendary show man and and from i i did i grew up in um in a small town called carmel which is like right on, right on the border of connecticut that was close to um Trash American style, you know. Um, did did you guys have SOU? Was SOU kicking back that, then? That was that's Jersey. That's like where I live oh. now, actually. Okay. I mean, but we had WXCI. I don't know if that that's a real fucking real limited. Like if you just went down the street, you probably couldn't get it. You know what I mean? It was out <laughs> of uh, Western Western Connecticut University, and um, so that that year of like my junior and senior year of high school. And then going to college in Boston in like the late 80s, they had WXCI and then there was like ERS and then all the plethora of like other fucking college stations where you can be exposed to like, you name it. They had punk, hip hop, metal, hardcore goth music there i forgot what which had like the bats in the belfry show which was on. oh that was zbc it's still on that's still on it, it's dude that's still on and late risers club is still going on mbr i mean they're like it's it's there man it's beautiful <laughs> and one of the coolest things about uh boston college radio was like the different live performance shows they had too like pipeline and and uh, yep. live from the fallout shelter and you know it's it's something that you get very um, spoiled if you had any experience living in Boston. That is something you just kind of took for granted because that that's something that really doesn't exist in a lot of cities. Mike, don't know what you got until it's gone. Absolutely, dude. It's it's it, it's hard. It's weird, man. It's like it, it's heartbreaking. You know what I mean? And it can like on a bad day, it can really, it can really. I can just speak for myself. It can get me down. But then the thing that pulls me out of the funk is it's like, hey, asshole. You know, you're you're mourning you're mourning the stuff that isn't around. But you know, you remember why you're mourning this because you got to be a part of it. So you know, there's that because then I it just turns into like kind of like you know pity on the on the people who never know what we had it's like it sucks that it's gone but like at least we got a piece of it you know yeah totally man and and it's good to hear that a lot of those shows like you mentioned those shows are still still rocking so that's awesome you know yeah. i know oh, i know yeah, nasty I mean, habits is gone i know that place that's that's uh, yeah 
e- ERS took a really weird, weird turn where they kind of they, they did. Be, it, this isn't me begrudging any kind of success that they're having because they're actually not. What they did is they completely made it. It's, and the same thing happened with, I mean, Berkeley School of Music. They don't have a radio station, but it's the same mindset. Whereas before they were striving for originality and to make, you know, these people be creative and singular. And ERS, the station, is for all well and, and all, all, all intents and purposes, for the last 15, almost 20 years, it's it's like a training ground for a, just very, very commercial radio talent. And they they don't really play anything before ERS, you listen to ERS because they'd be playing stuff. They'd be breaking bands before any radio station in the country. They'd be playing stuff you would never hear anywhere else. Now they're they're given the they're just they're basically like a commercial station. They're they're basically like you know, like a, a, a training ground for terrestrial radio, like really boring DJs. It's it's awful. It's soulless. Yeah, probably. I imagine like uh, you know the stuff that's going on with like Spotify and and you know all these like curated. Uh, like playlists and stuff that's kind of maybe taken over um you know like what what college stations might have done i mean this is just an opinion like i don't even know if this is true or not but i know like you know you yeah. go to someone's like playlist and if you like black metal or whatever like they'll they'll have like the brand new shit that came out that month and you could just run down the guy's playlist and be yeah dude be- it's it's great it's great like i i look at stuff like that i compare it to uh almost like the like the 2000s or whatever, like the, the whatever they're calling this nightmare time of life. <laughs> but like, it's their version of the, of the, the mixtape. Like, yeah. you know, we, we, you know, back in our day, we'd make the cassette tapes. But that's, that's what this is now. It's like, you know, people are making, you know, making these Spotify playlists for each other. It's like, Oh, Oh, you're into that here. G- give, give me, give me, give me like, tomorrow i'll hit you off like ch- check your check your inbox and you know you, you'll make something or a playlist for somebody you know it's the same thing as we used to make mixtapes it's awesome actually this would be a good good point to mention that uh everything went black has its own uh playlist uh so yeah and if you're out there listening be sure to check it out uh keith and i will be putting together a combined collaborative playlist for this episode so uh you know oh, we will we'll have some fun <laughs> man you know Oh, oh, dude, that's I. Hey, folks at home, I'm just finding out about this now. I'm very psyched. <laughs> this is cool. Yeah, man. yeah, excellent. Yeah, but uh, but yeah. You, me- you mentioned Kenmore Square, which is um, man, now now all of the nostalgia is coming back to me too, man. Just yeah, shadows. My my, my, um, <laughs> my my uh involvement probably with Kenmore Square started, you know, I would say maybe 1987 when I went to college up there, and um, yeah, that. Un- ironically, the ed- the uh, academic institution that I attended has now completely taken over Kenmore Square, and it's basically become. Oh an my god, dude! It's have you have you been there at all? Have you walked through Kenmore? You know something, man. Oddly enough, I haven't been in Kenmore Square in probably about twelve years, at least. Well, it's it's gone. I, I mean, like any anything that you would think that it's, dude. You talk about shadows and dust. It's 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 all gone, man. It is nothing but nothing but memories, man. It's it's gone. Now that's really sad, man. Because um, I you know somewhere in New York, you know, I, I have memories of AB, of uh you know CBGBs and all that stuff too. And that's like one yeah. another type of neighborhood that was very um rich and with culture, you know, like kind of like low life, like street culture, but still something that is important to people like me and you. You know what I mean? 
No, it's it's dude, it's it is it's the same everywhere now. It's like all like Boston. It's you know like us old crusty guys. It's like you know we call it New Boston, uh, Neo Boston. It's it's awful. I mean it's it's the same thing happening in New York. It's the same thing that's happening everywhere. It's just these, um, you know, blatant um, gentrification, and then uh, they're just completely. Like I mean, okay, fine. There, there's nothing wrong with improvement on things, but they're just completely barreling, wiping out everything. You know, good, bad, or ugly. They're getting rid of everything. Then they're building on top of it, and it's what they're building. I don't mind something new if it's for the better, but what they're doing is is completely soulless. And then on top of that, they're inventing fake neighborhoods. Like for these these things, it's just like they. So it's these cookie cutter, you know, million dollar condo facility, you know, apartments and just like these they're all these fake neighborhoods where these these people who aren't from boston don't care about the history of boston like regardless of music they just don't care um they just come in for a little and they're, they're basically carpetbaggers they, they're not going to be living here very long and they're just going to be moving to another city where that city is waiting for them with the exact same gentrification it's all cookie cutter and these people have these like two to three block fake neighborhoods where everything is there. They've got their Whole Foods. They've got their, um, you know, CrossFit uh, trainer. They've got their, you know, funky little coffee shop, which is completely corporate, but they don't know. It, you know what I mean? It's just, it's it's garbage, dude. And the thing is, you, I mean, we all know it's like, there's always going to be that. My thing was like, do you have to take everything? And they do. They do. You know, big shock. Big shock. Corporations are evil. <laughs> yeah, that that's the thing that I think like is um a huge divide between like maybe our generation and like a newer generation is uh back back in the day you and I from people from our set always distrusted corporations. But then somewhere in the new in the new millennium, you know, uh there developed this um idea that, oh, well, corporations aren't all that bad. Look at all the stuff they give us. We got, like, these cool, like, earbuds we can wear. And, uh, you know, I got a phone that allows me to, like, uh, you know, like, hook up with chicks and stuff like that, you know. And yeah, I can, I yeah, can pay, hey. you know, post photographs of what I had for lunch as burrito ate, you know. All this useless yeah, dude, shit. Yeah, dude. You know? Fucking, you know, Nero gave him bread and circuses. Yep. And, you know, Bezos gives us, you know, whatever we want delivered to our door in 24 hours or less. So, you know, we're, all, we're still getting fucked. That's a great that's a great reference, by the way, between, uh, you know, the bread and circuses and the and the Jeff Bezos connection. I like that. Oh, thank you very much. Man. Yeah, man. But <laughs> but Ken Moore was um, was fucking awesome back then, man. It was like Nuggets the record store, the Rat Skeller. Um, the pizza pad, which actually kind of sucked, but it was open late. Pizza pad sucked. Nemo's. Nemo's was was the move, man. Right downstairs, right out the front door, right downstairs. Nemo's. That was headquarters, dude. And they had better video games and they had better pizza. Okay, do you remember this? Slices. Oh, yeah. Man. Slices. <laughs> dude, the uh, I couldn't remember the name of Nemo's at first, but that was that was definitely the better spot. I don't think it was open as late as the pizza pad, though. That's the thing. No, no. because and, and that was the thing. It was like... Pizza, pizza pad for a while, like pizza pad, it would, it would be, um, you, you'd wait like in the, in the front booths because like they, for a while they were selling beer and then sell, said sell beer to anybody. They also had like a, like a two slices and a Coke deal for like two fifty, And for a while they had better video games. And then also, cause they were on the, they were on street level that, you know, and this is before cell phones, you know, people like, Oh, meet us in Kenmore at three. 
well, where are you going to be? It's like, just, just come by pizza pad. You could, you could see people walk by the front window and be like, Hey, Hey, Hey. And then when everybody was together, you know, then you'd go downstairs to, to, you know, Nemo's and hang out. Oh yeah. That, that was a good yeah. move actually. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause pizza pad, that was, that was all for like the red, the Red Sox idiots. And then like all like the, the disco and the, the disco and the Guido guys from uh, Narcissus and celebrations across the street. Ah, that was a place. I can remember that. They actually, yep. there was a period of time where they had shows there too. Dude. They, well, they had, so they had an ongoing thing. It was heavy metal Wednesday, but it, it was by and large, it was, you know, like, like, you know, hair metal and poser metal, but you know, we, we'd still go because all the girls dressed like hookers. So, yeah. you know, it was awesome. But then you, you like, you, you get busted, but then you couldn't really get, everybody would get busted. Cause like, if you, if you were there and then you see somebody go, what are you doing here? And they turn it, they could just flip it on you. Like, well, you're here too, man. So, you know, what the fuck? I'm like, yeah, well, they all look like Kelly Bundy. So I think we're in the right place. Kind I, of thing. I want to say that I saw Malaya rage play there one time. Oh, they, they played there all. And I mean, this isn't a, a diss to them. That, Cause this is what I was getting at. So by and large, it was hair metal over there, but um, the guy who did all the booking, his name was Jim Blute. He was the manager for Steel Assassin, who were like the gods. Like before Wargasm were Steel Assassin's roadies. Like Wargasm became a band because they were like Steel Assassin's little brothers. But so Jim Blute managed Steel Assassin and he started managing Malaya Rage because Malaya Rage and Steel Assassin and Wargasm, they were all Route One guys. They were all like this Route One heavy metal mafia that they just fucking just insane musicians by the time they were all 16 and just, yeah. But so Malaya would play there. Wargasm would play there all the time. But dude, I saw um, Exodus there. I saw Tank play there. Um, Trouble oh, wow. played oh, there. Wow. Dude, there were a lot of fucking great shows. Like Exodus, um, I'm sorry, uh, Metal Church played there. Anthrax was going to play there. But it was like they they weren't acting like divas, it, but they they weren't able to fit. It, and I know it sounds weird, but like I was there with them. So like they were they were really were trying to make it happen. But like physically, logistically, there was no way that Anthrax could play because they were going to they were going to play downstairs. So upstairs was Narcissus, downstairs was Celebrations and Celebrations is where they had all the heavier shows. Because they didn't want to get like honestly, they didn't want to get all the disco balls like all like the neon smashed. Yeah, no, that makes sense totally. Yeah, yeah. And, and and Anthrax were like down there for hours trying to like you know their road crew trying to make it happen, and they were even like trying to call the Paradise like because see if the Paradise like if the Paradise wasn't open that night, then they were gonna try and open up the Paradise for them, and it was the whole shit show. But yeah, um, yeah, their sister celebrations that wasn't that wasn't the go to. That was that was the go to if you were if you were trying to get girls because you know like it's not like nowadays where there are like you know really really super decked out attractive you know like bimbo style even though they're it's female empowerment but you know what i mean like really like slutty looking cool rock chicks like in who are like firmly entrenched in like deeply deeply underground music like back then it was like you know a, a hot girl at a, a heavy show is few and far between so you know you, you had to go where the grass was you know it was very rare definitely very rare so rare for sure yeah. And then, of course, there was the Ratskeller, which, um, you know, the easy way out would to say that that was Boston Seabees, but it kind of had its own vibe. It was, I, to Dude, me, without, yeah, without a different. doubt. I mean, it, it, yeah, I mean, obviously, to anybody listening to, listen to this who, you know, wouldn't really know, like, right off, right, right at the jump off, that that's actually a perfect analogy. But 
you know, on, on, on deeper inspection and, you know, double down, just being a Boston guy, fuck that. The rat was the rat, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I have allegiances to both cities. You know what I mean? And- oh, hey, listen, man, I was I was never anti New York. You know, we right and crew, we were anti Connecticut. We we loved fucking New York. <laughs> Dude, Ch- Choke still hasn't forgiven me for like quote unquote like you know bringing New York and heavy metal to Boston hardcore. <laughs> so- well, that's that's actually kind of where I was steering this conversation. Now is like we we hinted about the uh, the metallic edge that uh, Wrecking Crew had, but from from me being like a, a relative outsider, you know, like moving to Boston, um, being familiar with, with uh, New York-style hardcore, and having, or at that point, already been fully exposed to, like, Agnostic Front, you know, Carnivore, and, and you know, the Chromags and stuff like that. My memories, my, my, my ideas about what Boston hardcore was like were probably dated by the time I got to Boston because it was like, okay, SSD control, you know, slap shot. And then... Wrecking Crew were kind of the band that put Boston hardcore on the same playing field as some of the New York bands that I would mention. You know what I mean? Like, and and you yeah. guys also were, were, in my memory, serves me correctly. Correctly, were playing with like bigger bands and stuff like that. Like, you kind of had these like um, there was more business going on, shall I say, with the band than than a typical Tang Records kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. I and I, I think I think it was like a, a, a two pronged thing because I mean, like, dude, even if you asked us when we were fifteen, you know, it's like, you know, we dude, we wanted to play the Orpheum. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah, we wanted, totally. you know, you know. So, it, it, but it wasn't like you know, it's like, oh, we're we're gonna like you know, you know, siphon off over like you know, like do this vampiric feeding off of this very like you know beautiful underground thing, and then like you, you know like infiltrate it and then just you know spoil it like we we wanted to you know we wanted to be as big as possible but we didn't want to like sell out do you, yeah. if that makes any sense it was like if that ever happened amazing probably not going to happen but let's just try you know that that I, honestly you know i've never said that out loud like that way that's exactly how it was it was like we wanted to go as far as we could go but we wanted to do it as us we didn't want to you know have a you know now we're going to play funk metal we we did you know, it we did. It was wasn't about like selling out, um, but we were just like we were just so insecure and frustrated with lack of our lack of success, seeing our peers blowing up, and well, it was because we had made some bad decisions, like you know, signing to Hawker, and just like also we just really didn't know for a band that was doing as well as we did, we didn't know a damn thing about how to run a band, and we would see you know like you know we brought sick of it all. I mean, they were a huge band, but like they played their first shows out of the tri-state area with us at Green Street Station. Same goes for uh, Raw Deal Killing Time. Um, you know, we we best friends with Biohazard. And what happened is towards the end, you know, it was like me and a couple other guys in the band, we just started chasing our own tails. And we would, instead of looking at what were we doing wrong, we were looking at why aren't we fill in the blank like why aren't we as big as Gnostic Front right now why aren't we as why aren't we as big as well we're just as good as like okay fine there's nothing about our musical talent it was the fact that we were idiots incompetent as far as running the band and you know we would look for scapegoats and we, we threw glenn out we threw out our, our original singer uh and that was a huge mistake we should change the name of the band instead what we did is um, cause we played with biohazard down in new york down at lemores and that was the first time we'd ever not only had a band you know blow us away but smoke us i remember like you know 30 seconds into their set me and uh ralph 
our guitar player just looking at each other like holy fuck what the hell is happening right now just we had never seen anything like that and like their organization how they handled themselves we basically like me and ralph like and he, ralph will own this own up to this too um the end of wrecking crew we should have changed our name and we absolutely fell into this like tough guy biohazard thing and it really spoiled like whatever i mean I, if i say legacy that makes it sound like a, like we were a bigger band than we were but just like it really tainted you know like what memories of wrecking wrecking crew should have been a band that came and went and were were loved and just always delivered instead it's like it no matter how much you can shine shine up what we did and we did a lot of really good stuff that i'm proud of there's always going to be yeah but man at the end what the fuck was that and it sucks but it was our fault yeah. Well, let's let's run down like how how you guys all met and who was in the original lineup and that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Um. So we met. So it's me and Ralph, um, the the rhythm guitar player. Uh, we met in we met freshman year in high school. Like for first two weeks in high school, um, we we both went to Brookline High, and we we both been going to shows. Um, you know, for a year and a half or two before, before that, or, you know, like probably like, you know, like seventh, eighth grade starting to go to shows, but not like we were like, you know, we didn't know each other and it was kind of the same trajectory. I'm not going to say like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm in eighth grade and I was like, you know, down with any, you know, dude, I'm well in the back and I wasn't at every show, you know, but yeah. I was, you know, d dipping my toe and I was, you know, I was getting it wet and the same thing with Ralph. Then, uh, we met, um, we met Darga. And I uh, met Darga just at shows and just because the, the three of us loved Misfits and loved Sam Hain and, and um, then uh, I, I, at the time, like uh, Ralph and Darga started jamming uh, in, in Darga's dorm. He lived, he had a dorm behind Fathers 2 right down from Kenmore on Buswell Street. And they were they were starting to write together, and I I was in can I was in that band Cancerous Growth. I I was in them for like a month. I was in and out. And when they start they started jamming, I was in Cancerous Growth, and with I you know like I said it was really fast in that band. And then the next thing you know it was like I was out of Cancerous Growth, and I you know I asked them, they asked me, you know what I mean? It was just like kind of like a perfect storm. Like well shit i'm not doing anything you need a bass player I was like well we were gonna ask you but you can't scroll them well they threw me out so <laughs> here we are um then um our original drummer was ek yeah yeah i had him on the show a few weeks ago we talked a little bit man about that i love i love that that bizarre little maniac so much man he's such i, I love that guy dude i'm and he, i'm so happy he's doing good yeah but um it was so it was him and because there was all there was a whole crew of jp kids who would hang in kenmore and like they were a little bit a little bit more like like town townie it was weird they were like they were like townie kids it was they were like across between like townies and b-boys who like kind of got turned on to hardcore you know what i mean whereas like a lot a lot of the other you know kids hanging out were like you know like legit like punk hardcore or metal kids like the the, the jp crew they were like kind of like kind of like the, the beastie boys it was like that you know like that that white b-boy kind of thing and that was uh that's how we met ek and ek was buddies with glenn and we didn't really know glenn 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 we knew from shows because 
he was really quiet. He, he, he wasn't a dickhead. He was just quiet. He wasn't very outgoing, um, kind of kept to himself. But then when shows would start, like, you know, when, when people would start dancing, he was just, and he wasn't, you know, some people would, would dance to hurt people. He was, he wasn't malicious, but he was a very, he was a force to be reckoned with. And it like, when it was time to like, think about a singer, like once we had like, two or three songs down. I was like, okay, well, we're a band. We're doing this. It's like, well, we need a singer. So we got to have, you know, it's like, we're following Slapshot. You know what I mean? It's like, what are we going to do? It's like, uh, we we need, we need a fucking, we need a badass. We need some sick fuck. It's like, oh shit. What about Glenn? It's like, do you think you'd do it? Like you were kind of like a little intimidated, and he goes, "Ah, oh, no, he can't. Oh, I'll talk to, I'll talk to Knuckle Neck. Right, right, right. And, you know how you know how he oh, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then, and then Glenn came in, and then you know, sure enough, I mean, this is something you know, like water, sweat, fire is hot. And Glenn Dudley sounds exactly like Roger Murray. So that's not that's not the worst thing that's going to happen to a brand new band. And one of their favorite bands, Agnostic Front, your singer sounds exactly like the singer from Agnostic Front. So it was game on. You know, yeah. Yeah, that's great, man. That that's um like I was like we were talking about before. I think that um I could spend like this entire ep- episode talking about Wrecking Crew. You know what I mean? And um yeah. but I think but. I think that we should do a Balance of Terror Classic Records episode. I think people to get the full the full uh you know all 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 the um the details, all the nitty gritty about all that stuff because I think that would be like fucking cool. Uh, I'm in. Yeah. Okay. A lot of people have been asking about that. I've been like chattering with some people online saying, you know, who some of, some of my, uh, you know, some of the stuff we're working on and, and, you know, talking about wrecking crew and like we've referenced wrecking crew in the past. And, um, yeah, people would be excited about that. I think the scuttle butt around the water cooler is, is, is hot, huh? Okay. Yeah, All right. right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, yeah. it's good to know. But, um, Unlike a lot of our friends, you know, like the, at, at some point, somewhere in the mid '90s, people kind of dropped off from playing. You know, they got involved in, you know, real, real life and you know, families and normal, normal things, normal healthy things that, um, <laughs> yeah, that most I most guess. adults, I, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I hear about that stuff. Like, I don't yeah. know, it's, but you and I somehow. Um, we both uh, we somehow sidestepped all that shit, and we're we're still out there doing stuff. So, uh, you know, I you you were busy all through the '90s. You had all these different bands going on, and um, the one the one that uh, and actually this is after that point, but the uh, but Panzer Bastard, we played shows together. That's awesome. Oh man, you know? fuck yeah, dude! Now is that yep. still? Are you still doing that? Or cause you yeah, got a, you got a brand yes, new yeah, thing going after- on too. Well, got a new thing, but so Panzer Panzer Bastard, um, you know, we it's not recorded, it's written. Um, we we have you know like fifteen songs, and then the world went tits up. The world went tits up, and most of Panzer Bastard went tits up too. It was kind of like it was a perfect storm of, of tragedies. So uh, we've actually just been like. Th- you know, we never we never broke up. Like we'd always be in contact throughout throughout the whole pandemic. But actually, the last month and a half, two months, we're really making now that the world's starting to unfuck itself. We're like really making a concentrated effort to um, set up a time because we got one guy in Florida, one guy's in New Hampshire, um, and then you know there's me, me and the the other guy. Uh, we're we're still here, so uh, we just to to get together because what we want to do is ideally. Um, get the two the two guys from out of state uh, here in Bo- to Boston for a week, 
and um, you know take at least two days to relearn everything because I mean it's every, everything is on like phones. You know, we don't even don't even have it like on a laptop right now. That's how stupid we are. So we have to relearn everything. And then if nothing else, um, get, you know, get everything tight, tight enough so that we can at least track drums so that we have that foundation and then record the record on top of that. But, yeah, like Panzer Bastard is, is absolutely going. And it just uh, I mean, it, you know, I know it sounds like like pro wrestling, like hype stuff, but I guarantee you that the new Panzer Bastard will be beyond fucking pissed beyond fucking pissed it's just 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 the, the nature of everybody's individual travels and just the way the world has been it's it it's, it's just going to be it's going to be real fucking real hateful yeah it's it's my it's definitely my kind of shit man it's got all like celtic frost kind of like you know like sheer terror like sort of vibe to it you know but angrier motorhead discharge like all that stuff's thrown in there yeah, we we've been uh, you know so, so, some of the more enlightened folk have, have have called this stadium crust, and I'll take it. Stadium I'll take crust, it. that's interesting. Stadium man. crust, yeah, like you're like oh, you guys are like disappear. I'm like, so what are you saying is we're kiss charge? <laughs> you know, but and, uh, dude, I'll I'll fucking take that. That's totally what we're about. You know. Yeah. All right, so I wasn't sure if that band was you know still active or not. That's awesome though. Neither was I. <laughs> no, we're 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 in, man. We're 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 a happening. We're an ongoing concern. Actually, uh, you know, with the last year and a half being what it is, it's it's uh, hard to gauge who is actually quote unquote active at a time where mostly you could no there's no shows going on. Yeah. So yeah, that's fair enough. But uh, you have this brand new thing, which um, I've been hearing about, and I've been seeing that you've been playing a lot of gigs and things like that. So uh, what's up with this new band that you got going on? Okay, well, it's, I mean, it's like new, 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 new. We've only, we just played our second gig Saturday, like as, a, as of us recording this episode, uh, this, this past Saturday night. Like, so we're talking on a Tuesday. So, yeah, um, it's, it's called Casket Rats. And it's, it's just straight up hard rock. It's, it's not even like, you know, like in Epsi or anything like that. We're not, we're not like blackened this or crust slash anything like we are just hard rock. It's, it's thin Lizzy, thin Lizzy, ACDC, ZZ top, the cult, um, UFO circus of power. Like, yeah, I mean, we, we do like lean towards maybe a little bit more like, raw but i think that's just a natural thing from like because we're, we're all of us are coming in. so it's me uh goose who's also in pants rest he also had a black black metal band called lord almighty um brandon the guitar player from black mass who just put out a new record they're black and thrash and phil uh was in a band called obstructor who were like really good old school thrash metal but we're we're all like you know really tight buddies that over the years is like you know when we hang out like this isn't like we're not doing this like a novelty thing like this is like what we it's it's a a progression from when we all hang out together like more often than not like i mean we all love impaled nazarene but you know we we if the four of us are in the same room we're gonna end up listening to like uliera scorpions or you know like rio grand mud or you, you know let lights out in london you know shit like that like it just j just because that's what we're into on top of everything else that you'd expect us to be into and then you know once the world once again you know i'll say once the world was starting to unfuck itself um you know pd is 
not broken up but we're not doing anything like and we all were kind of like in that holding pattern with our main bands and we're like you know we should do something it was like yeah we should but then it's like if we did a band that sounded anything like any of the bands that we were doing that's like cheating on your wife you know it's pointless sure. it's like yeah. why do that because like it's like you know Th- those those are riffs that would be far better suited it's like dance dance with the girl that you brought you know what i mean so it was like i'm not gonna write a panzer bastard song and not play it in panzer bastard you know so we're like fuck it and it's like also with everybody kind of having um i mean me me especially but like you know everybody kind of like having this brand new chapter going on it was like well, let's let's do something we never did before it's like well fuck i guess that means we're gonna do a hard rock band it's like so like dude i'm i mean to to most of the world it's still distorted bass but to me it's like i I might as well be like playing jaco pastorius's gear it's it's not panzer bastard level distortions and i'm I'm like singing and it's and you know it's not Pavarotti, and i'm not you know i'm not giving bruce dickinson the run for his money but like i'm singing i'm trying to rip off phil lanat i'm not you know growling i'm not trying to do tom warrior in this thing it's and in like there's twin harmony leads all over the place oh wow like i'm Dude, I'm really, really, really fucking happy. And it's also nice just being a guy in the band. Whereas with, with Panzer Bastard, for better or worse, like I'm I'm the Lenny. I'm the tyrant in the band. And it's it's worked really well for us. And it's also been really fucking bad for us too. So um it's it's nice to just be I'm the bass player. I'm a, I'm one fourth of something. And it to also be, you know, an old dog with a new trick is fucking fantastic fantastic i'm really grateful so that's cool man because i i was trying to guess because I, I i haven't heard any music because you guys don't have anything yeah well, well that's it yeah I, I mean dude like i appreciate you uh you know having me like you know t- talk about casket rats i, j- I just feel kind of stupid because you know we're we're not going to be have we don't have anything online like we don't we don't even have social media presence right now that's like when we get together sunday it was like okay well these two gigs went went pretty good you know so you know now let's uh you know like the the project this week is to get social media up and then um you know we're going to be going in probably um february to to record so see man you come to this show you find out about all this uh happening brand new shit that's awesome man that's cool i'm in the ground i'm on the ground floor at this that's awesome you you are our alan freed my man you you're, you are our don kirshner dude i'm fucking psyched yeah no because i i was trying to guess at what it was going to sound like because i'm like all right it's keith it's like it could be a couple different things my initial maybe based on the name i thought maybe like sam hain danzig kind of thing you know i don't know like oh yeah yeah it, well we're we're definitely like i mean i i think maybe like aesthetically like i'm i i'm the only one who like kind of has like that kind of vibe going and you know we're, we, we are like you, you, we are doing some very like you know specific like things like you know we do have a bit of a plan like you know like for like certain colors like a certain vibe but like you know we're not like this isn't like a event sevenfold or something like we're not like playing dress up like you know you know if, if dude if i happen to be wearing leather pants it's just i happen to be wearing wearing leather pants it's not like okay we're gonna be these like kind of desperado vampire coke dealer <laughs> d-beat zombie guys you know it's it's not like that dude, you know what i mean d-beat zombies that's a good one man like no that. no it's not because now there's gonna be there's gonna be some assholes in brooklyn who are gonna do it and fuck it up for everybody so <laughs> careful mike careful well, but hell, man! So you're you're uh, you're going for like some old school style heavy metal vocals, which I think is fucking sick. 
a, like a, a bit, dude. You know, I'm just saying like, mo- how about this? It's definitely like it, it, anybody going in expecting anything like our four bands or maybe even like what we look like. It, it's not, it's not going to be the case. So I, I think we're going to, we're trying to use that for our advantage. Um, you know what I mean? Where it's just like, so instead of like looking like, you know, we're fake truckers or, you know, we're wearing like blue denim belt. No, but for real, man, you, cause people do work that, that angle. You know what I mean? It's kind of pretty contrived where it's just like, Oh, well we sound like this. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to wear bell bottoms. Like, dude, you never wore bell bottoms in your fucking life. And now you have a mustache and you were, you got like Turk, like turquoise rings and shit. It was like, dude, like, like last, last week you were trying to get me to sell you my nausea hoodie. You know what I mean? It's like, fuck you. Like, it's not like that. Like, I think that's, I think that might be, if, if I mean, we can't have an original sound because we're not playing an original style. But I think if there's anything original about us, it would be like maybe the fact what we look like and like our artwork. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so it's like shit. Like this kind of sounds like like really good old ZZ Top is like, but that guy looks like he's the 35th member of LA Guns. What the fuck is happening here? You know? So yeah, but but I guess the cool thing what I'm trying to get at is that um I mean I I like to take chances and do new things musically and it always feels new even though it's not something that's new necessarily but if it's like new for like what you do and what people are used to seeing you do then it's new you know yeah dude it, I, I i agree man i am i am fucking so so psyched and like giddy and like i mean i i i'd like to think that no matter what i've seen and done like i i haven't been like too jaded you know i mean i th- i i'd like to think i'm more like savvy or like wary or like you know my tolerance for bullshit is zero as as opposed to like you know nothing thrills me or nothing impresses me anymore but um like th- with this with cascade rats it's it's just really exciting because like we i've never none of us have ever played this stuff like we love this stuff we never played it so like when we come up with parts we're like holy crap ah you know it's it's cool it's like being 15 you know like having your first band you're like oh my god i can't believe we can't believe we pulled that off oh we're doing it let's try this oh shit no we can't yeah we can let's do it oh oh you know it's awesome man like dude like it, it's almost like like they're like like young love I'll get home from practice or like even I'll be halfway home, walking home from practice and I'll be texting everybody like on the group chat. I was like, guys, that was awesome. You know, it's like, I was like, I can't stop thinking about you. You know, like that's it. Like hang that's up. Funny. No, you hang up, hang up first. Okay. You know, dude, that's how it feels, man. It's great. That's nah, fucking awesome, dude. And uh, yeah. yeah, so I'm really looking forward to hearing this, man. And so are there any, um, like what, what are like the go-to places to record up there now? Um, I mean, Mad Oak as, as always. Uh, so there's Mad Oak, um, uh, Alex, uh, goat, Alex Garcia, Garcia, dude. And we're, we're, we're going to go in with Alex. Um, he, he's killing it. I mean, Kurt Ballou, I, I, I think Kurt, I mean, I think Kurt's like booked solid for three years. I mean, and if he isn't, he should be, um, uh, new Alliance is still happening. Oh, wow. I was going to ask. You yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there's there's different like a Matt Matt Oak move locations because Rug Road Rug Road got the the new Boston pave over, um, so Matt Oak moved up the street. Um, Q Division Q Division moved a while ago, but it's so I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, but yeah, Q Division is still around, but they're not really in the realm of of heavy. Um, new Alliance moved moved they moved a while ago, and they they're they're still happening. Um, 
I, I can't, I mean, if there's anybody out there that I'm forgetting, like, I apologize. It's just like old wet brain. And also like, I don't know who's still active. Um, but I also think like, just with what every, what's available at everybody's, you know, just immediate disposal. I, I so many things are just like happening, like in a practice space now that it's kind of like, like the, the era of, you know, Oh, you gotta go here. You gotta go there is over. But you know, we're, we're still going to go with Alex just because we, we really want to like, we don't want to make a 70 sounding record, but we want, we want to do analog. And also, I mean, like Alex comes from our world too, where he, he knows that like, you know, he, he knows what we're going for. So we're excited to do it. Yeah. I've, I've been to his spot, man. He, um, it's, you know, it's in his house and, uh, he, he recorded the, the cable record that came out a few years ago. And, um, yeah, I, I helped on that record. I did some backing vocals. So I, I, I no saw, shit, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, I saw what he had and I'm like all analog, like, like old school. It's great. Sounds great. Somehow, I don't know. One day, Alex was like an awesome engineer. I don't even know how the fuck that happened, really. I hey man, you know pro- probably because he's always been a very level-headed, smart person. <laughs> he, you know, like he'd, he'll he'd join these bands with like you know like b- b- brawling and you know crazy reputation shit like that, and he's just you know he's right next to the trailer like drinking rice milk like watching all this dumb shit go down and not not bothering with it he's probably reading recording manuals yeah probably man because like, I, <laughs> yeah. I didn't even realize alex recorded and then he played me um i think it was blood horse like that band he did that like kind of heavy heavy rock band he did like a few yeah. years ago and i was like fuck man like damn you recorded this in your basement and he's like Dude, yeah have you seen his solo thing? Have you seen Chrome Over Brass? Oh, oh, I haven't seen it live. No, no, no. Holy shit. Oh my god, it is it is impressive. It's it's something, man. I've said this before that usually the drummer, if he's a good drummer, is always the best musician in the band. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Oh and yeah. Alex, yeah you're, you're only you're only as good as your drummer. But and Alex kind of like uh, you know exemplifies that. Like every if there's a drummer in a band and he's great, most likely that guy can make his own record by himself. You know what I mean? Yep. It's kind of funny how that works out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, our mutual friend Rachel Kaiserin, who ah um, uh, Miss Abuse, Rachel Abuse. I've uh, I've shouted her out multiple times over the years for. Uh, being someone who has um, exposed me to great music, you know what I mean, like cra- Crash Worship and uh, you know stuff like Neurosis. Like I actually have to um, attribute Rachel for turning me on to a Neurosis and Buzz Oven and like all those bands back in the you know the. Oh movie. man, she she loves Buzz Oven. Yeah. <laughs> but she um she mentioned to me that you stopped partying and uh, I think that's great, man. That's that's a fucking awesome story. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, 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 it was, it was time. It was time. Like I, I'm, I'm actually just a, as of recording this with you, I, I'm celebrating 11 months, which is nothing, you know, in the big, I mean, it's the rest of my life. It's the rest of my life. If I, if I want to have a life, but um, I'm, I'm definitely ready, willing and able to, to keep to, to keep working on my recovery because I, I was I was fucking done man it wasn't like somebody had to slap the beer out of my hand and pull me out of the party I, I was I was fucking done and I was I was a late bloomer to everything too like I mean like when I met you I, I had done like 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 teenage knucklehead drinking but it 
but then like you know i i i just stopped i mean but even back then i mean i can look back and say it was like yeah oh i was drinking like an alcoholic back then but you know it was it was weird i just stopped and i, I you know i didn't claim edge i just stopped drinking and then every once in a while i drink but over the years like i always thought i thought it was funny until recently and then i thought it was a bit sad but uh brian fuck brian keen i forgot i forgot his band knock do you remember Knock? Oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so Brian, the bass player from Knock, um, he he had a quote. It was like, "If you ever see Keith Bennett with a beer in his hand, run." Oh man. And I'm like, "Oh, that's fucking funny." I'm like, "No, man, it's because you, I would like Jekyll and Hyde my shit. Like, that's what got me thrown out of Ramallah. Like, I I was trying to like hang with the big dogs, and I just every night it would start off great, and I would I would wake up, I would come to in the morning. We'd be somewhere and I'd wake up and I'd be the last guy up and everybody would be like kind of standing over me, like not talking to me. Or if they were talking to me, like we have to get out of here because you, you piece of shit. It was like, what? And I like, honestly I have no, I have no idea. But that, I mean, that wasn't even the worst of it. It was like, dude, I, I like, I was a late bloomer. Um, I, I started fucking around with everything in my thirties and it was, it was, it was drugs before it was booze. It was, it was Coke. And I fucking loved Coke, loved Coke. And then I started drinking um honestly it would be it would be like after people would be hanging out at my place and it'd be like six in the morning and there'd be like no more coke but i'd be like so fucking railed and i couldn't crash and you know there'd be beer left over in the fridge or like i'd even like you know be picking up like dead soldiers off the kitchen table i'm like oh fuck somebody left a full beer and i wasn't even drinking to get drunk i was drinking so i could you know not have a heart attack then i would started you know, they, you know, I'd always, I, I was always in a band with people who drank. They just weren't alcoholics or drug addicts, you know. And you know, Panzer Bastard practice, we'd always have a thirty pack, but you know, we'd also we'd also have at least a gram of coke. And then it would just it just became you know this is what we do. And honestly, it was fun for like a long time. And then it was starting to fuck with the quality of my life and also it was fucking with our reputation like you know it, it went like that like that cliche thing you know we were like we we're musicians who dabbled in drugs and we were like druggies who dabbled in music but it was true it was like you know panzer Master had we had like you know great run a good reputation and then you like it started getting known as like oh you know panzer Bastard, great band those guys those guys like cocaine then it was like panzer Bastard, great band oh those guys are fucking so about cocaine then it was panzer bastard oh those guys do a shitload of cocaine then it was oh those cokeheads and panzer bastard and yeah. then it was like oh then it was like oh those cokeheads there you go so it you know it it, it took a long uh, it took a long time i mean we're never fully gonna like wash that off but you know we're we're, we're all we're here and i mean you know like three of the guys three of the guys the three guys who needed to get sober are sober now which is fantastic. I can't wait to do stuff now with, with everybody everybody being clear, you know? That's that's fucking awesome. So, I mean, there was, like, some kind of – was there, like, a moment or some kind of incident that happened where you were just like, all right, things got to change or, you know, or is this a gradual kind of thing? It, um, I, 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 this sounds really like a cop-out, but it was it was both. I, I just, you know, so all right, here, here's, like, the, the, the cliff notes of it. it. Things were, like, really, really – bad with uh coke i ended up actually just getting bored with funny oddly enough like that was the thing that it looked like was gonna sink me i just and it ended up like honestly running its course like i never like was like once i stopped i was never like oh shit i miss cocaine or like i fuck man i, I, it, I just this makes me want to do cocaine never like that but then booze took 
filled that hole and i uh, i lost i lost a, a a beautiful relationship because of my drinking oh, then that well it dude it was my fault I'm you sorry, know I'm sorry um, to hear that though man because that's uh, well yeah. i i appreciate it but then then i was like well at least i have i have my band and my my real life job my day job is working with dogs and i, I so i was like you know i can lose myself i've got rock and roll and i got the pups then covid so i had nothing and i that was it i game on man i was i was drinking to kill myself like it's and once again it's i i apologize in advance to anybody listening like because everything I, i'm gonna say is absolute vh1 cliche shit but it happened to me it was true i just i really i just didn't have the guts to put a gun to my head or jump off a roof i would drink and every every morning or like whenever it was that i would i like my eyes would open no shit the first thing out of my mouth would be fuck fuck i'm still alive okay well maybe today maybe today maybe today and you know my family knew and this is how selfish you can be when, when you when you're like in your active alcohol alcoholism is in my fucked up head i mean i i knew that they knew what i was doing and i knew that they were hurting and it was hurting them. But I honestly thought, dude, that if I died or when I died, it's like, okay, well, you know, it's going to be hard for a few months, but I think eventually they'll see that, you know, it was for the best. I was in so much pain. I'm in a better place now. You know, I was, I was so selfishly not even thinking that like, they're going to bury their kid. They're going to bury their, their cousin. They're going to bury their big brother. Didn't even, wasn't even in the equation. And then one day, so like my, my, my uncle raised me like his own. So my uncle is my father figure and my cousin is my little brother. And one day, uh, my, my cousin and I would meet up once a week. We live in the same neighborhood. We'd meet up once a week, just park, get iced coffee and just shoot the shit. And we just talking and, you know, I'm, I'm can't exactly quote what I said, but it was definitely alluding to, you know, dying. And he just, the, the pain in his eyes and him just saying, you can't do this. Just, it, it, it was what I needed to hear. And then I was like, all right, fuck it. Fuck it. I can't, I thought, I thought it would go down differently when I, when I died. And obviously yeah, like I saw from him that no no fucking way i was just going to be doing more horrible shit so i was like okay let's go and i was 10 days in detox at a hospital up the street from my house then uh came back home uh with every intention to stay sober i was doing a, an outpatient program uh and then one night and once again this is my fault um, one night there was got into a, like a scrap with uh, our, a neighbor and that set me off. Like I just, I just grabs, grabbed some booze. Cause I didn't want to go back down to this guy's apartment and, and fucking kill him. I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to drink until I pass out. And then tomorrow I'll start recovery. And I just, I just need to drink myself blackout. So I, I don't do anything more violent Then um, that got me uh, kicked out of the outpatient program. But that was the catalyst for um, going to a recovery center and it was it was up i was up in the mountains in new hampshire was up in the green mountains and the location was beautiful but it wasn't like I, it wasn't one of those places like oh, i was an addict and now i'm not because i was riding horses and getting mis like hot stone massages and crystals and shit like that it was it was like you know you're here because 
you're fucked up. And if you want to die, you can leave. If you want to live, shut up, listen, learn and do what we do. And I did. And then when I got out of there in the end of December, beginning of January, I was uh, in a sober living house in Dorchester and I moved out of there. The idea was to stay there at least a year, but I had a really good opportunity to move into where I'm talking to you from now. Um, it's, I, it's, I with two roommates, uh, one's also in recovery. The other one isn't an alcoholic, so it's good to live with them. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a roommate situation. Like there's no program, but I'm, I'm active in, I'm active in my recovery. Like I, I actually, um, I do service work in AA, uh, yeah, I, I'm just, it, I'm, I'm all about it, you know. No, so, that's that's here, fucking here great, man. Because like, you know, the 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 one thing I gotta say is, a lot of you know, man, I, I don't I don't know anyone who hasn't thought about killing themselves at some point. And the the thing is, is to keep in mind what you learned from that experience as how that would affect your loved ones. Really, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like. Like I lost three people over the last few years, and you know I don't think any of them thought how much of a fucking void they would leave when they left. You know, and two two of them were were you know had to do with substances and suicide, and the other one was just a very dire illness. But you know, in all three cases, they were talking about how I, I don't want to live and this and that. And, and it was like, man, you got to think about like definitely yourself, but also your loved ones, man. And the people around you, it's not just going to be like, oh, well, you know, he's gone now. Uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to mourn for like a few days and then move on. It's like, the kind of thing that never really goes away and changes people around you for the rest of their lives, really, you know? Yeah. You know, it's such a fucking heavy thing, man. And and uh, I'm glad that you were able to pull through that, man. You know, and uh, I'm, I'm like, glad to hear that you're, you're active in this recovery. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I just really, really... Uh, you know, like I, I, I said earlier, I, I was they didn't pull me out of the party, but I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it by myself. Like I, I on it, actually the, the there was a day um, during during the lockdown um, when we were quarantining place. There was a day that I woke up with the shakes and I actually that actually scared the piss out of me for a couple of days. I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's official. It's official. I mean, I knew, but, you know, to really like have it happening for the first time, it was, it was terrifying. And I, I, I didn't do any research. I didn't know that I was risking a heart attack or like, yeah. you know, I could go into a seizure. I, I stopped cold Turkey for three days and I, 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 I was having like small seizures and I couldn't keep anything down. Like, and then, then I told people what I was doing. Like, I was like, yeah, fuck. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, you, you know, you guys would be probably happy to hear this, but I'm trying to quit cause I woke up with seizures. So that's it. Cold Turkey and people are like, you, what the fuck? No, you can't do that. You <laughs> dude, you can't. So then, uh, you know, I'm the idiot. I'm like, Oh, so I have to wean myself off. Then, you know, being, being an alcoholic, you know, all I'm thinking, even, even though in my heart of hearts, I wanted to stop. So I'm like, okay, well, at least I can wean myself there's another part of me the like the, the the part of me that wants me dead was going hey you get to drink again man <laughs> you know yeah. so it was like it, i wasn't i didn't wean myself off of shit i just 
you know, I ramped back up. So instead of like weaning myself off going down, it was the other way around. It was like, I was drinking a little, then I was drinking a little more, then I was drinking a little more. And then I was even worse than before, dude. You know? Yeah. But, but as, as, as far as like wanting it, it, yeah, I, it, I, I just, it, it, the, the way my life is now and you know like i keep i keep trying to qualify i'd be like oh i'm sorry this is just like generic recovery talk but it, it, you're gonna hear these things from people in recovery over and over again because it's true is my life is if you had told me a year ago or even if you told me at any point in my life even in like really good moments in my life that okay where you're gonna be at at 52 years old this is your life this is how you're gonna feel this is what's gonna be happening for you I would have like, you're fucking me. You're crazy. And the thing is, is like, I still have like all the bad shit didn't go away. You know, it's just how I'm dealing with it. And just knowing that, you know, it's not, it hurts and it's, but it's not going to sink me unless I want to drown, you know? And I don't, I, I'm just, I've just got, I've, I've got a lot better coping mechanisms, but I'm still dude. I mean, 11 months I'm like i'm proud of the accomplishment but this is this is not I'm, this is 11 months for the, the rest of my life and hopefully like i've got like a, a decade or two left you know what i mean so all i gotta do is just what am i gonna do today well i'm gonna do the next right thing and stay sober okay cool well what about tomorrow well i'll deal with tomorrow when tomorrow gets here but if i do get tomorrow that's exactly i'll tell you the exact same thing that's what i do because I, I dude, I just, I just, I want to be happy. I want to be creative. I want to help. I want to just be a good, a decent person. You know, like I just, I just want to not hurt anybody or anything and just have a happy life and, you know, you know, get, get some Elvira strange, <laughs> you know, that's, that's it. And, and some more motorhead shirts, you know, that that's my life, man. I'm really happy. Yeah, you can't do that shit on your own, though, man. That's definitely... I can get Elvira Strange on my own, sir. Well, uh, yeah. Well, you need... <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you know, that stuff for yeah. sure. But, but no, nah, man, that's that's fucking great, man. And, and um, yeah, but have, that, that's that's the the program is something that's like, yeah, to, to be able to think that you can just go out there, oh, yeah, I'm just going to do this by myself is like... And I understand that, you know, rugged individualism and you just want to be your own man. But like sometimes people need fucking help, man. And that's just the way it is, you know. Yeah. And and, and also just for, for like any anybody out there, um, you know, I, I do work in uh, an AA program and, you know, Mike, Mike can Mike can vouch like I'm I'm me. You know what I mean? Like, so if I'm not, if people think, oh, here's, oh, he found God and he found Jesus. And it's like, fuck, no, I'm still me. But like, I, I meditate. I'm, I'm, I'm mindful. You know, like I, I have, I have, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's not Watain, but I have, I have rituals that I do every day that, you know, I, I have my higher power. I call it the great spirit, but like, it's, you know, and that was one thing like years ago, like when I was kind of toying with the idea of sobriety, like it would put me off. Like, you know, it's like, fuck that God bullshit. They're going to come to me with the Bible. So if, if there's anybody out there like listening, I'm not trying to be this. Well, actually I am. I, how about that? I am trying to be an advocate for people trying to get sober if you want to get sober, but you're kind of worried about like that religious aspect of AA. I am living proof that you do not have to get right with Jesus Christ, the redeemer or any of that fucking bullshit. You don't, have to, you don't have to like, you know, get a hotline to the Vatican or anything that you're not down with to get sober there. You can do this program on your terms. Absolutely. 
That so was that so was there. actually a, Hail Satan. Uh, there you go. That was actually a question I was going to have for you because I I mean I I don't I don't have any personal experience with with any of this stuff, but I know other yeah. people that have talked about you know oh yeah well they try to push this like religious angle and but that's good to hear man because i know that yeah that well well there, there are i mean do, listen don't get it twisted there are definitely and especially in boston there are some old school salty motherfuckers who will pull you aside and like if you don't get right with jesus if you don't get god dude you're gonna go right the fuck back out there you guys nah, hey and you know now instead of me going fuck you and then that's also my disease hearing what i want to hear it's like yeah fuck these guys you fuck them. Go drink. You're okay. Because these were the assholes you wanted to get with. It's like, no, man. It's that guy. That's that guy, and that's his fucking trip. I don't have to. I don't have to do. I can. I can say thanks. Thanks for the advice, and not take it. You know. And there's there's also um there's there's a sober satanic faction of the TST. Um, there there are absolute resources. There, there's agnostics recovery. There there's there, there's any if you want recovery there's recovery for you you know what i mean but i i like the a program and i've been able to work my spirituality in, into the a program no problem that's fucking really that's a relief man i gotta be honest <laughs> you know yeah dude it, I, it was a relief for me too because i i you know I, I had no, my whole thing was like the willingness where it's like, okay, dude, I legit, like, it wasn't like, Oh, I don't have anything. I don't, I didn't have anything. I had fucking nothing, nothing, nowhere to go. Like I, I burned every bridge. Like I really didn't have shit. All my clothes were in a basement in garbage bags. Half of them still are, you know what I mean? Like there was, there was nothing. I was like, I burned my life to the ground man I was rebuilding. I had nothing. So I had nothing to lose. But at the same time, you have a little bit of that pride where it's like, okay, well, I have nothing to lose, but I'm not going to latch on to some doctrine that I abhor just because I don't want to die. It's like, how, how empty is that? You might as well be dead. But I just, I was like, well, I have nothing to lose. What's the worst that's going to happen if I just check something out? And that's all I've done. Like I, any, anything I've done, it hasn't been like, yippee-ki-yay, I'm going to go do this. It's been, fuck, well, I got nothing and there's no going back. I have nothing to lose. It can't get any worse. Let me try this. And more often than not, it's it's shown itself to be a positive, good thing for me. You know, so. Well, that's fucking great, man. I totally fucking support you in this shit, man. That's fucking. Thank great. you, bro. Thank you, bro. That means a lot, man. I, I like I said, dude. I, I'm I'm glad you're in my life, man. I I love you quite a bit, Mike. Yeah, this I love is you cool. too, bro. Definitely, man. It's, I'm glad to hear all this. You know. Now to change the subject. Uh, yeah, please. <laughs> did you go to? Did right, you go I, to that? Well, I do. I love pornography. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up, Michael. Yeah. I prefer the 80, 80s era. Yeah. But no. <laughs> Um, actually, wait, the eighties is when it got real like v video quality, the quality, like it looked, it had that video look to it. Right. Uh, no, well, see, then I guess I prefer like the, the early eighties. I basically like, I like my, I like my, I like my porn with a storyline. Give me some acting. Like, let make me want this character to give a blow job. That's what I'm saying. Kids, you know, no, I like, I like my, my shit is I like basically liked it. Like that. They were like episodes of dynasty with blow jobs. That's what I, I like. I liked I liked it when like people who had, couldn't act their way out of a paper bag try to act thinking that this was like by doing this you know like gangbang scene this was their their foot in the door to real Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, awesome. definitely, man. Absolutely fucking awesome. Yeah. There there was this uh, I think it's had like three or four different titles, but it was like a vampire one with uh, Jamie Gillis and uh, Vanessa Del Rio was in it, and um, 
Really? Like, yeah, it was like the, I don't know, the fucking blood of, of Dracula or Dra Dracula something or other. Dra Dracula no erotica or something like that. It's got like probably multiple titles out there, but look it up online. I mean, it's oh no, dude! Like, I, I definitely will. That that is completely. I'm a, I'm about it, dude. Yeah, thank you for the heads up. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That's you know that's that set late '70s, I think, where it's like still on film. It doesn't look like a fucking camcorder recorded it. You know. Yeah. Well, well, the, the one the one that I would always um, reference, and, and like we're talking about like that, is it actually they they had, it was they did a four um, four ep. It, I guess episodes, but there were four of them. American Taboo. I don't think I know that. It, it was um, uh, Gloria Leonard, Raven, uh, Taja Ray. Uh, I mean, there were a lot of different people like in this, but it was basic. It was a soap opera. It was oh, a shit. dude. It was a straight up soap opera. Like it had just like crazy intertwining plot lists, uh, plot twists, and yeah, and, and they 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 made four of them. Like it would in like four like four in a row. They were all like, but just like released like a couple of months in you know apart. But yeah, American Taboo volume volume one through four. Have you ever heard of the Rialto Report? It's like um, yeah, I love the Rialto oh, yeah, Report. Uh, yeah, I figured, man. That, that, that's dude, a, that's 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 my era, man. Like like right before video, like that last gas of like like Essex and and um uh, VCA, Caballero, that like the, like those studios, like that stuff. That that's that's like my shit, dude. Yeah, yeah. That whole that podcast. If anyone out there is interested in like old school porn. The Rialto Report is where it's at for all the stories behind everything. And, uh, yeah, Mike Scandato turned me on to that. You know Mike. Right? Oh, man, the Brooklyn <laughs> bastard. I love that dude. Hello, Mike. Hello, Michael Scandato. <laughs> yeah, I just saw him over. I saw him in person, actually, this past weekend. We um, Did played. you go to Sub-Zero or did you go to Nuclear Assault? We played. You son of a bitch. Yeah. yeah we oh, played my God, show. dude, you played with Nuclear? Yeah, it was uh, – Nuclear Assault, Sub Zero, Tombs, uh, Sworn Enemy, and like a ton of other bands. Oh my fucking god, dude! I feel like an asshole now. Like I, I could have went. Oh my god! Actually, no, I couldn't. We were playing. Yeah, but that's insane. I knew, dude. I knew that Nuke that Nuke played, and I knew that Sub Zero played, but I didn't know it was the same show, and I certainly didn't know it was all of that, including you. Now, oh man, I'm sorry, dude. Fuck. Yeah, that's where I saw Mike. It was um. Dude, it was uh, that. This is our first show since uh, February of 2020. That just happened this past weekend. How did it feel? I, I, all right, it was great. Number one, I, I, on full, full on needed to play live to perform. Okay, yeah. I haven't gotten nervous ever since like probably at least 20 years. I haven't gotten any kind of like nerves really before playing until Saturday night and. The thing that I was nervous about wasn't the actual performance. It was about connecting my equipment the right way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I thought yeah, I would be absolutely. nervous about fucking up or forgetting the words or something stupid like that. But I was like, you know, because it was one of those gigs where there's like a back line and you bring your shit, you throw, there's no sound check. And, you, you know, it's like you just put your head on the, on the cabinet and you do a line check and, you know, you yeah. connect all your shit. And I'm like, Oh man, fuck! I hope I have my shit connected the right way, man. You know, uh, you know, I was like, that—that's what got me the most fucking uptight about anything that night. But like, once I was able to confirm that everything was plugged in the right way, I was like, oh okay, I'm right. everything's good. You know, then it was just like, you know, just all, that whole like 
muscle memory came back to performing live. But the, so, uh, so like, did did it did it how did like did, did the beast come back like after like thirty seconds or like ten seconds in or so was it finally like you're like oh 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 no no as soon as soon as yeah. as soon as I realized that I plugged all my shit in the right way. Then, then I, the, the beast came back. I was like, all right, I'm ready to fucking crush. You know what I mean? And, and game, like, game on, man. Yeah, dude. Once I knew that I could rely on the technical stuff not to get fucked up, I was like, all right, everything's cool. And um, yeah, it was great, dude. It was, it was like uh, I was sore as fuck the next day, man. You know? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but that was, that was amazing, man. The whole day was great. It was just like, you know, a little long. It was kind of a long day. It was, a, you know, this big show with a lot of bands and um but but it was great it was good to see people you know like ran it it was in brooklyn so i saw like a lot of people i knew and and um yeah you know i, I don't live in brooklyn anymore i moved out to jersey right at the beginning of the pandemic so you know that i hadn't seen some of these people in almost two years dude i i I don't, I don't know when I'm going to be down there, but like, I can't wait till the next time. Day. It's cause it's just going to be like, okay, man, stop hugging me. I love you too. Stop <laughs> hugging me. Like, no, you don't get it. I was like, we do, but come on, man, <laughs> stop. You could have come down like months ago. Why? You know, ah! but, let's fucking stay in touch about that, man. Maybe we'll, you know, all right, man. Yeah. Well, shit. yeah. All right. True. true. Well, you, you know, I, I don't know. You know what? You make up your mind. Like once, once like, you know, Cascade rats has recorded stuff, then, you know, check it out and see if it would be a good fit. But I mean, dude, without a doubt, like, you know, by, by, by the summer PB will be doing gigs. So, you know, yeah. Fuck yeah, it. Definitely, man. For sure. Like next, I mean, I, I don't know if you knew this, but I had COVID man, like a few weeks ago. Oh shit! I didn't know you had it a few weeks ago. Like, but yeah, I, I got I got it fucking twice. Oh man, dude, I didn't realize you got it. I didn't even know you had it, dude. I got I got it. I'm, I'm not trying to one up you, but like, I got it. The first time I got it was um in 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 the recovery center in the in the treatment center up in New Hampshire, and it dude it went ripped through that fucking place. There were over a hundred cases. It was like we were in lot. It was crazy, dude. Uh, like four like not ju not quite a month sober in in fucking recovery oh, and then you're man. you're in the middle of nowhere and then quarantine on top of that dude we had to do zoom like we had to do like the, the uh the unit i was in uh that's where they like we were the first couple of people exposed and they would put like they, they call it the covid cabin so like somebody would be you could see somebody like walking up the hill with their duffel bag from like the other units would be like oh fuck another one and, and, and we we would have to do they'd leave our food like outside and we would have to do our um like all our like group meetings and you know like step classes and everything like that like not not step aerobics like 12 step but like yeah no, well, I, I knew all, like all, dude like we we would do like our entire recovery curriculum via zoom it was it was dude, fucked man you've been through some fucking shit man Jesus. i've suffered michael Jesus i've been through Christ, hell man. that's <laughs> fucked up man i, I didn't yeah dude wow well i just told you yeah, yeah, yeah. but but yeah but so how do you i mean did it hit you hard no no i well i mean first of all i'm vaccinated number one i, I got vaccinated and right on uh, and so I was, I was only really sick for like three or four days maybe. And then, and, and even that wasn't even as bad as, as, uh, I, I mean, I've been way sicker before, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I can't take, I'm just starting to get my taste back, my sense of taste. And, um, and then there was just like some, you know, fatigue and like headaches and the headaches are gone. Uh, 
I try to do a little bit of exercising today and I still get a little tired. So that's that's lingering a little bit. But I, I imagine by next week I'll feel almost normal. So the whole thing was like yeah, three weeks or something like that. But not really sick for three weeks, but the effects of like kind of lingering effects for about three weeks. Yeah. You know, well, we had to cancel. We had... We had a uh, we did miss one show that we had booked because I you know I tested positive and I had to go into quarantine, yeah. and, uh, and then I, I, we were able to do this past weekend, which was like I was like oh fuck man like you know I've been looking forward to this and like you know, um so yeah I was fine you know and and um you know it's just battling a little bit of that fatigue and you know just not having played a show in like a year and a half and then just. The next day, I felt like somebody beat me with a chain, man. I was just fucking sore as fuck, man. Dude, I'm like, so we, so we did that gig Saturday. That was our second gig, and then uh, immediately after, like Sunday, I was, uh, I was part of like the slap knot. You know how like, they were doing I, like the slap. I was going to ask you about that, actually. Yeah, yeah, so, dude. Okay. But so like, I'm like, I'm, I'm still sore from like, and then like all like last week, like you know, I, I was, I was like a choke stunt double at practices because you know they have to run stuff with vocals, and so I, dude, dude, I'm fucking, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm beat up and banged around too and like you know i've dude, i haven't done a load in and a load out in forever too and you know i was like oh shit dude fucking old man it's good so you um the thing i think taz was telling me about the slap knot thing and that was like there was a an actual slap shot reunion right and then there was like uh, dude it was so fucking cool yeah but then there was like an ex-members thing like upstairs at the middle east or something like that yeah that was so on, on so here's the the whole deal so it was for anybody who's listening who didn't know uh slapshot just had their 35th anniversary they did a tour with sheer terror and then the the end of it to to the big homecoming is they did three three nights in boston they did uh friday saturday sunday and then on the saturday night uh there was a, a scheme to have the original the back on the map lineup uh come on halfway through slapshot set and and play back on the map right and then th- th- then once that like looked like it was this is really going to happen then like the the og guys just they were just like spitballing so like yeah, yeah and honestly like i guess like just half joking like hey wouldn't it be great if uh you know we got every member of slapshot dude was like oh that would have to be its own show haha oh wait a minute <laughs> Hey, that could be cool. So they reached out to like, you know, everybody, um, you know what I mean? So like it, it was, I'd say it was 99, 99% of everybody who's ever played in Slapshot um, on Sunday upstairs at the Middle East uh, was, was its own matinee show and it was Slap Knot and they had uh, the Welsh, the Welsh boys open up Um and yeah, it was it was just, it was really really fucking cool because they get they had guest vocals like I did Firewalker, Glenn from Wrecking Crew sang back on the map. Um, oh, shit, they had did uh, Rick from Jerry's Kids, um, wow. Sean from Refuse Resist. Oh fuck, they, they had, I I dude I have social anxiety so I left as soon as I was done. But like they had they had a lot of like they had a lot of serious weight up there. But then before the like the quote unquote all star set. Um, they had it was it was slap it was the OG Slapshot guys, but they had a they had a live karaoke because uh, the whole show was a benefit for uh, punk, punks in recovery, oh, okay. uh, and they they had a karaoke sign up list, so it was dudes from the crowd getting oh, up wow. singing with Slapshot. 
And it was, dude, it was, it was great. Like the whole vibe, like the whole show was just, it was just like this love fest. Like, you know, people flew in from Belgium, people from Japan, like there were people who hadn't seen each other in 30 years. Like people were burying the hatchet. It was so cool. But then when the karaoke thing happened, first guy gets up and as expected, he's just like ecstatic, but he, you know, they printed lyric sheets and everything. So he's got the lyric sheet, but he's just between being scared, psyched and just, you know, he never sang. It was, it was a train wreck, but like, it was such a great vibe that it, nobody cared. It was like made it even better. He was laughing. It was like, of course, this is what's going to happen. Then, then from there on in, everybody who came up at random were amazing. Like they were even better than like like everybody, all of us, like the old farts who were doing like the guest vocal, like oh we're guest vocalist shit. Like the, all these random dudes from the karaoke thing were incredible. Like nailing stuff, like like insanely good. It was so it was so fucking cool, man. That sounds like fun, man. I, I remember hearing about it a few months ago, and um, I was like, ah, oh, that sounds like a good time, man. Dude, it, it was it was really really good time, and then like just even even without like that like the slap knot matinee, just them having like like choke it and and the the present lineup having them like bring the OG guys up, but for for the, be part of the thirty fifth was so fucking cool, man. It was like just like a good good thing, you know. It was awesome. There have been a lot of people in that band over the years. <laughs> oh man, oh yeah, yeah. I mean there there was. I mean, we, we were looking at like twenty something people for slash like like revolving like um. I I don't I don't there wasn't there wasn't any one constant like because because there was you know there was Mark McKay there was Barry Height there was Dougie Boy McKinnon there was John Bean so there was the drummers and then um you know so it was you know a na- dispute it was John Anastas Chris Loria and Jamie Shrappa bass uh then gu- guitar it was like Steve. Then um, Daryl Shepard, uh, Ed Lally. Oh, fuck. Dude. That's crazy, <laughs> it's a man. Lot. That sounds like, yeah. sound like a good night, though, man. Yeah, it, it was fantastic, man. It, it, was, it was really cool. Yeah. Well, that, it was great talking to you, man. And, um, well, all right, man. Yeah, no, dude. I didn't know what the hell we were going to do, but this is great. I, I, I hope whoever's listening, I hope, I hope you had a good time, man, you know, because this was fun. Yeah, no, nah, it's, it's, uh, this is what we do. We just talk and fucking, you know, shit happens. Emphasis <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on shit, yeah. It's as simple as that, you know what I mean? But um, I do. But yeah, dude, once again, congratulations, and I fucking support you, man, and, and I'm so proud of you, you know what I mean? So, right, hey, right, right back at you, my brother. I, I'm, I'm a big Michael Hill fan. Long time back, dude. Well, thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll uh, talk to you next week.